The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello there. I'm Miles Nelson, and you're listening to On The List. Every week, we are joined by a writer from the Pitcher List staff where we talk baseball, we'll talk what they've been up to recently, we talk about everything in life, really, and uh, we'll always do a mailbag session where we answer your questions. Uh, you can send the, those questions directly to me or my co-host, Austin Bristow, in our PL Plus Discord server. We'll always put a little call out for people to ask questions of our writers. Um, but yeah, definitely anytime you've got questions for someone, send them our way. And this week... I'm really excited for this guest. Uh, this is someone that I have actually worked closely with here at PitcherList uh, since they joined. Um, I, I just think he's just so flipping awesome. Uh, and I say that because he might be the world's leading expert on bat flips. It's the man, the myth, the tall tale himself. Welcome, Noah Scott. <laughs> man, you're going to make me blush with that intro. Thank you, Miles. Happy to be here. Uh, excited on, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to, to talk some baseball. Yeah, well, you know, we always want to talk about baseball this time of year, right? March is such a great time. So many new <laughs> things happening. So many different ways that all the podcast hosts across the internet right now are, are trying to talk about the lockout and and do what I'm doing and being <laughs> coy about it. So uh, there's been, it's so, it's so great, by the way. I, um, I don't stop listening to podcasts. I, you know, especially this time of year. This is around the time of year that I re I learn what, how to feel about players in 2022 right. and like yeah. what I should be doing in drafts. So like I can't I can't afford to stop listening to podcasts. I got to keep you know absorbing the knowledge. And every different podcast, you've got the like, all right, let's just get this out of the way. Lockout's happening. We're not stopping. Okay, moving <laughs> on. And then you've got the like. Oh man, like did anything happen in baseball this week? That's oh man, I thought I heard something. You know, like everyone has a different I just think it's hysterical. So luckily here and on the list, we're not like breaking news or talking about analysis. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if baseball's happening or not. Baseball's happening in our minds, right, Noah? Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. When when we talk about uh when the lockout comes up on short hops and tall tails, our approach is more just like a heavy sigh and and just like internal screaming for a second before we move on. I I, I feel you. I, I honestly I, I I don't know what your guys' next episode is about or what what you know what your list of topics is, but I would be shocked 
honestly, if Brandon Riddle hasn't already come to you and said, all right, we're going to do an episode that's just about all of the different lockouts and work stoppages of the last 150 years in baseball. I found an article clipping from 1894 <laughs> about this time. Uh, Brandon Riddle, obviously your co-host there. And I just want to say for it, like the most, and, and I'm, I'm so curious as your experience with this, because yeah. when when he first joined PitcherList, literally my DMs from him were just like really obscure newspaper clippings from <laughs> like a century ago. And he's like, this is a really cool story. And I'm like, you're right. This is a really cool story. Yeah. Also, where and how did you find that? <laughs> I have no idea how he does it either. Like, I, I love Brandon, but I remember like the very first podcast we did. I think it was our demo with Trevor, actually. He pulled up, yeah, newspaper clippings from like 1870. And it was about this like game this baseball game that was played on ice skates and and on a frozen lake and it was the coolest thing i'd ever heard but it was the same thing it was like and my reaction hasn't changed he'll just like he tweets a lot of those old newspaper clippings and i get excited because i have no idea where he found it but i know it's something we're going to be talking about on the podcast that week uh but yeah i i have no idea how he does that like i my research never pulls up clippings for or very rarely pulls up clippings from you know before 1900 so it's i'm always really impressed with what he's got going on yeah, that that uh, baseball game played on ice was one that he brought, came to me about as well for the to write an article about. And I'm like, dude, like, uh, ab- first of all, I'm offended that you even asked if, <laughs> if, if it would be fun to write about a baseball game on ice. Like they played with ice skates on, man. Like, of course, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, but again, and 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 when he did his uh, episode on like Yogi Berra um, and like, what are the things that are attributed to him that he didn't actually say? And he's like. Yeah, so in 1973 was the first time this was used in the newspaper, and people say Yogi said it in 55. And I'm like, man, like, how? Yes, great, perfect. <laughs> how? I don't understand. Anyway, yeah. so I, I, I imagine then it's got to be just so much fun uh, being such a student of the game yourself, and and obviously being as into the history uh, as you are to do short hops and tall tales with someone who is just as into it. Yeah, it's it's really a joy, and I I actually intention very intentionally try to keep myself in the dark about whatever Brandon's working on in a given week because I like I like hearing it about it for the first time right on the podcast. So a lot of episodes, like I think the lot, we recorded a couple last night, and I had not even looked at the outline for one of them, like because I I outlined one and then he outlined one. And I told him I was like, do whatever you want. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit back and and it'll be the first time I experience any of it. And it was it was really, really entertaining. Uh, learned a little bit about a guy named Hector Espino. So uh, he you'll find out a little bit about him in a couple weeks. But really, really uh, fun episode. Uh, yeah, that's that's just Brandon. Like, I feel like our it was a good, a really great match. Like, because I feel like we both went into the podcasting thing like, oh, we want to do something historical, his, history based. Uh, and Luckily, like it lined up really, really well. And it's been a, a great time working with him. Yeah, it's uh, it's I really love the authentic, like genuine reactions to stuff. Um, so I'm really I'm glad that that's something you guys are are obviously tuned into and saying, you know, this would make it a better podcast if if I just go in blind on this and just like authentically <laughs> react to the wild yeah. stuff that you're saying. And baseball is that sport that I think better than any other sport has done it has really preserved its history for for better or for worse. I think yeah. I think right now there's a lot of people caught up in the history and in the ways that it's not productive to moving the game forward, but uh you don't hear as many stories about the NFL pre like 1960s, which like existed for a long time yeah. before then. Um NBA it's pretty much like anything pre-merger and people are like, oh, well, it doesn't even count. But it's like so many amazing things happen. I mean, I guess like 
maybe like the 60s as well you know, you know when the celtics dynasty will uh oscar robertson they they get their credit but like again anything before that and the, and you know professional basketball existed for decades before that um yeah i don't know about hockey i don't follow hockey maybe maybe hockey is great at preserving that history too but but baseball man you could the number of times you see tweets go out of like this is the first <laughs> time this has happened like shohei man shohei yeah. was the perfect bar for this yeah. because shohei was doing stuff that was done for the last time in like 1912 by like I probably not this dude, but like, I just always remember his name by like Icebox Chamberlain or, yep. <laughs> or, or like oil can Boyd. And you're like, yeah. who remembers this stuff? But like, we love it. We eat it up. We care about it. So this is your podcast is just perfect for that. And it's, it's just, I, I short hops and tall tales, by the way, we've kind of talked around the name of it. By the, <laughs> if you're listening to this, you're like, man, like I really would I'd love to more, learn more about the history of the game. Short hops and tall tales with Noah Scott and Brandon Riddle on the same podcast feed that this is on, by the way, if you're listening to this on the pitcher list, uh, baseball podcast feed, which you should be. Uh, you can find short hops and tall tales there as well. Yeah, yeah, pull a double feature right after this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And learn about learn about Eric Davis. Go back to the Shohei Otani episode. I mean, there's, there's oh, that some was really, one. really some really great stuff. Um, but I, I I have this pulled up here because it's such a perfect like you mentioned when you went into the podcast thing, and and with our you know our first foray into the podcast network um, over a year ago now, we didn't really know exactly what kind of shows we're getting we didn't know who was gonna be interested so we we let people come to us and then you know if there's a a a match made in heaven we're like perfect you two have have a podcast together and you don't even know it um and (laughs) this was one i mean i i had both of you as as my writer quote unquote uh when i was uh overseeing we love baseball and the first article that you wrote uh or not the first the second article you wrote for us was called knuckleheads which is about the first all knuckleball rotation in 1945 and like <laughs> that's just the kind of stuff that you're into and i absolutely love it because no, the knuckleball is amazing and i know you can talk for days about knuckleballs. yeah <laughs> don't get me too started because we'll be here for three hours and you'll you'll be late <laughs> all right give me give me the 30 second elevator pitch on why knuckleballs need to come back uh knuckleballs, yeah because it's completely antithetical to how the game is played today like you have so many guys throwing 100 101 miles an hour and the knuckleball floats in it like 70 on a good day right and i i love it because it's just a good metaphor for life because you you let the ball go and and you don't know where it's really going to wind up but you just got to have faith that it's going to get to where it needs to be right and so like that's what i love about knuckleballs there's so many great quotes about knuckleballs especially from like bob euchre um and i just love the general mystique around it i think that knuckleballs and junk balls uh, like the Ephus is, you know, the cousin of it, if you will. Like, I feel like that's what really makes baseball special because there's no one way to win. Like, there's a couple of popular ways to do something, right? But really, like, you know, knuckleballers, you got to be yourself, right? And it's, it's that's that's really what it's all about for me. Yeah, I um, one of the first times I, I really fell in love with baseball. I mean, since I was a kid, obviously, like, like growing up. But like 2004, when I was 11 years old, was like the first. That was when I was like old enough to really like comprehend what was happening really dive deep into it and like and not just love it like oh cool like a home run was hit or like oh wow like amazing catch or whatever but like actually fully understand the game and so uh watched the whole 2004 postseason um obviously the dodgers didn't go very far in it um (laughs) uh, by the way disclaimer both noah and i are huge dodger fans so apologies to anyone out there if you get (laughs) sick of us talking about the dodgers we'll try to we'll try to keep ourselves like no a little bit (laughs) Um, uh, obviously Dodgers didn't go far in that playoffs, but, uh, the Red Sox did and the Red Sox had, uh, I mean, not one of the premier pitchers of the game, but definitely one of the best knuckleballers of all time, at least from, uh, longevity and like, like how far, you know, how modern into the game he was doing it. And that was Tim Wakefield. And 
He pitches game one of that World Series. Um, for some reason, I got the World Series DVD that year. I don't know That's why. Maybe I just was like, I love baseball. I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. get it. Uh, and so I watched, you know, I watched the DVD and, and they, you know, there's so many slow-mos of, of Wakefield's knuckleball. And I was just like, how, how does a baseball, like, I didn't know anything about rotation. We don't, we didn't know anything about spin at the time, but we knew that the knuckleball didn't do it. It was pretty cool. It's, it's so wild in hindsight to think like a knuckleballer started game one of the world series. (laughs) Like that doesn't happen. (laughs) Like, well, and he probably shouldn't have, and neither should his opponent for the Cardinals, Woody Williams. I think they were both the fourth starter for their respective clubs, but both championship series went seven. I think that's the other thing about 2004. People talk about, obviously it's the, the year the Red Sox broke the curse. And then they also talk about the ALCS, uh, obviously game four of that ALCS coming back down from three, zero, yada, yada, whatever. Everyone knows about what the Red Sox did. Dude, do p- people forget the 2004 NLCS is also an all-time series. Uh, the home team wins every single game. It goes seven. Uh, both game five to send it to St. Louis uh, and game six to send it to game seven ended on walk-off home runs. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Beltran for the Astros, like the half season he played for them, tied at the time a, a record for most home runs in a postseason with eight. And that was to me, like, honestly, I was rooting for the Astros to make it to the World Series only because I wanted Beltron to have a chance to break the record yeah. and hit a ninth home run. Yeah, that's absurd. Well, All time series. Yeah, that that's absurd. And I mean, if you're going to have one on DVD, like that's not 2020, that's a good one to have. I do have 2020. I do have 2020. I also yeah. <laughs> in a cruel twist of fate because my girlfriend th- thinks it's funny. I have 2017 and 2018 as well. I would not be able to uh, look at those on my shelf, to be honest. That would just make me too angry in the morning. Yeah, they were Christmas presents. It was not. (laughs) (laughs) I opened them and I'm like, are you serious? And then 2018, I knew it was coming, so it was a little less. It hurt a little less. When I opened that that Christmas 2017, I was like, ah, this is messed up, man. (laughs) (laughs) She's sitting there laughing so hard. Anyway, um, so uh, the other thing, too, you've done, I mean, you've done so much cool stuff here at Pitcherless, and and I obviously I'm, I'm, I'm holding back on the bat flips thing because I just, there's so much to say about bat flips, but yeah. Uh, last December, you took part in something that you were absolutely tailor made for. Like this was like I was like, if Noah Scott doesn't take part in this, then this whole thing's a sham, and we shouldn't do it. <laughs> and that was our favorite things about baseball draft, um, where we kind of had put together I don't know maybe a list of like a hundred things that were amazing about baseball. Drafted our top sixty four. Uh, by pure luck, you ended up with the one one. You remember what you took? That's right. Oh man, I really don't to be honest with you um well as I, soon as i say it i'm sure you're gonna remember exactly why you I, took it and that was you took was it vin, was it vin scully was that you one took on? you you got vin on the I had back, vin. coming back to you in the second round vin made it all the way back to you at the end of round two which oh, I think oh you were stoked it was it was the sounds of the game it was the sounds of the game sounds of the game yeah that, there's nothing better i mean that's why i mean that's not why we go to games but like that's why live games are so much better i feel like baseball is really just the you know, it's the one game where I can really close my eyes and just take it in, right? Like, like, uh, and I know that the radio, like radio games, that was another its own separate, uh, I guess, entity to be drafted. Uh, but really, like, that's just so close together because I feel like the radio experience from a baseball game is just like the flow of it is just so much better to listen to than than football or basketball or whatever where there's so much going on it's really hard to articulate to the listener where baseball has these natural pauses and stops uh that it it makes it a very relaxing thing to listen to like i remember growing up like hiding uh you know 
hiding in my bed like at like 11 p.m like the dodger game would go late or go to extra innings and then just like i had my little like uh ipod clock radio and i would tune into to am 570 i'd be listening to vin scully and then like my mom would come in and like look around for a bit she totally knew what i was doing but i would <laughs> like you know i would just listen to, to vin as i fell asleep and that like really was like i think also just very formative and to like why i love baseball and why it's such a comfort for me too was like i was literally like being put to sleep by vin scully like i don't think you can do any better than that to be honest I guess I guess if your mom is worried about you staying up late doing stuff and comes into your room and finds <laughs> out that you're just listening to a baseball game on the radio, that's pretty low. She walked on the in scale she's like, of like oh, my kid's a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And and I mean, you know, you, you go in, check on your kids, like, did they sneak out the window? No, okay, we're yeah. good. Like, <laughs> is he is he playing video games? No, he's just laying in bed listening to uh, a baseball game. I I think we're okay. I think he can yeah. I think I don't need to I don't need to bust him right now. Uh, that, I mean, that's awesome. Um, I, I'm curious, uh, do you, are you aware of the, uh, man, I don't even know what to call it. There's a guy who does fake baseball broadcasts, like radio broadcasts, um, as like a method of, of helping people sleep. I, I think I, I heard of, or I read about that like very briefly. Um, I, I've never really checked it out though. I, cause I've done that a couple times, like usually like when I'm sick and I can't go to sleep, like. Uh, one of my favorite games to listen to was Vin's last game, which was 2016 when Charlie Culberson hit the walk off against the Rockies on the final day of the season to, to clinch the division. And I remember like being deathly ill in my bed and like waking up every like two innings or three innings. I was like, oh, no, it's still going. Uh, but I haven't I haven't checked out the fake one yet. So the, the thing about the fake one, and, and it's actually kind of funny you bring up a game that ends in a walk-off home run. Although, I mean, Vin Scully, like you can listen to any Vin Scully game and right. it's going to be a, a good time. But uh, the what what this guy's doing and I'm I wish I could google him right now and, and find out who it is and, and I probably will do that in a second uh but one thing that he brings up is that for him he didn't want like the commercials right you're listening to a game and then yeah. all of a sudden you go to a commercial break commercials are loud and then also he like the games that he scripts have nothing interesting that happened in them no no moonshot <laughs> home runs like no stolen bases it's like just the most boring like three to one game with like not a lot of strikeouts and like the ways that they score runs are just like single single to right field runner moves up to third like small ball you know and and it's just but it's it's the kind of thing that he doesn't have he's like i don't have to like raise my voice for any of it i can just stay at one level all the way through um and it's just like the perfect thing to sleep through yeah mr king i uh i I found it i guess uh i'll have to check out this uh mr king's fake baseball because i mean we I, I love a good fake baseball game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I, by the way, I want to also credit um, Kevin Goldstein of Fangraphs. He's the one who wrote uh, an article about it. It was uh, January of this year, which is we probably came across it around the same time because yeah. of this. So uh, shout out Kevin for finding this uh, this venture, this this sleep story out there in a world full now of, of you know calm apps and all this stuff. Like to find a baseball related one, I, it doesn't get any cooler than that. So uh, I knew you'd appreciate that being a fan of the sounds of the game <laughs> itself. Uh, but let's you know what it's we got to talk about it. It's time because we we go from the quiet of baseball to quite possibly the loudest thing that happens in baseball. And I'm not talking about the crack of the bat on a home run. I'm not talking about the, the sounds that the crowd makes when a home runs hit. I'm talking about the bat flip because not only is the bat flip itself, a loud action, it is the loudest silent thing ever, but also, you know, when a bat flip happens because Twitter blows up of a whole bunch of people going clutching their pearls and saying, 
like I would never and oh my stars like that's what I imagine <laughs> the people who are upset at Batflip sound like so you've been doing our Batflip articles for the last two years uh well what's that been like just in terms of of, of you know the good and the bad of, of yeah. doing Batflips every week for two years I mean, it's it's definitely there's points where it's like too much of a good thing, right? Like you, you've eaten too much candy and you're like, <laughs> it, it, it's a little desensitizing at points because like, you know, take Fernando Tatis Jr. For example, he does an incredible bat flip every time. And I feel like especially when we do our end of the year, like we do our Thunderdome where the community decides on the best bat flip of, of you know the season. Like, I feel like he kind of like he just does it so often that for him to really break through, he's got to do something just ridiculous right yeah exactly and but i i love obviously i wouldn't do it if i if i didn't love bat flips um and it's really i think between bat flips and then like a good like diving play or a home run robbery like that's the that's the little clip that mlb needs to do a better job of of putting online and, and even just getting footage of in general because that's the other thing is i have to work too hard to get these these like side views of guys like can i can't i can i cannot count how many times like there's like you see the you know the the center field camera the traditional like behind the pitcher view and you can see this hitter he you know hits the snot out of the baseball and then you could see him doing something and it cuts off to to track the ball right Except, like, they'll run back the entire, you know, the swing and everything. And as soon as he starts getting into the flip part, they cut and go to the pit, the next pitch. <laughs> and, like, the only time you can ever, like, get footage of it is usually when the team themselves puts it on social media. Because it is, it's so ridiculous to me. Because it's, like, that's, like, the most, that's what people who aren't into baseball will react to. It's the emotion. It's the energy. It's just, like, the electricity of the moment. Because that's what basketball does so well like someone will dunk and then you know you'll pound your chest and like i don't know throw up like the bench goes crazy yeah exactly or like you know football you get a huge hit or or you know a uh you know like i don't know like odell catching that ball in the end zone like that that clip is still circulated or like mm-hmm. when like you just don't see that like from mlb and it's so it's so mind-blowing to me because just make my life and make your lives easier. It'll help you market. It'll help me do my job. Like it, it's, it's, I don't understand why it's not like a more mandated thing that you just like, you know, I, I don't include know, the could, exciting parts of the game. Right. You like know? you would think it's just so, so simple to do. Um, and, but I will say this, like, I think that, that people, and especially the internet, we've come around on bat flips so much in the last, like, Oh my what, God. Absolutely. Six or seven years. Like I, I think the first, like, the opening of the skies, right, was obviously uh, Jose Batista. Like, mm-hmm. that's the number one all time, like, throwing yep. the bat in the, I think it was the ALCS, right? Yep. Um, and I think it's the divisional series. Divi- but yeah. Division series. But it, it's, it's like, since then, it's it's been ratcheted up so much to the point where, like, guys are, are now experimenting a little bit. I think, you know, my one of my favorite flips last year was Taylor Trammell did this, like, weird double flip which i think it was actually him just messing up the first one and realizing it was too close to his body so he caught it and flipped <laughs> it again but it, it looked so rad like because you know he's just so different from what we've seen um uh, the, the the other uh you know my favorite flip i think of 2020 uh was when wilson Contreras just yeeted the bat like oh, literally yeah. into the into the lights he threw it like 30 feet in the air and it's like yeah okay now it's a projectile but that was really cool <laughs> like <laughs> The thing is nobody ever looks up when they throw these bats and i get really no. nervous 
but uh yeah it's the most uh, for me it's it's the most electric moment in baseball and yeah i mean like anything like you do it over and over again every week yeah it's a little bit of a grind but it's 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 awesome right it's it's what yeah. really will grow the game and and reach out to new people because there's very few moments on a baseball field that that have that kind of electricity that that you know you see every game in in basketball and 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 every game in football like they definitely mm-hmm. happen during baseball they're just a little more spread out and so like those moments we really have to you know latch on to and promote and i just think mlb you know, obviously, it's not the top of their list of things they could do better, but it's 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 up there for me at least. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, apparently, pitch clocks are at the top of their list of things they can do better. So we're <laughs> we're a long ways away from uh, marketing bat flips. Yeah. It's hysterical to me that they treat bat flips the same way that like we treat streakers on TV, where it's like, hey, if we just don't show it, maybe the players like won't that is do it as much or something. Such a good comparison. Like I, I'm kind of mad that I haven't thought of it myself <laughs> because that's that's just that's it. That's so so apt. Like. I'm begging you, Major League Baseball, get somebody below the age of, like, 40. Not not to be, like, you know, like, obviously there's, you know, you can be any age and appreciate a good bat flip and put out good content. But get some young people that really, like, understand what young people want to see, at yeah. least on, on, on social media. Because it's, it is, it blows my mind how, like bad their marketing and their, their, their social outreach is to, to yeah. new fans. It's, Absolutely. It's, yeah. I love that. I love that you went on a rant about uh, them not showing it because that's always been one of my favorite things about your your articles is you have the gifts of every bat flip in in every article because obviously like what's the point of talking about it? like you right. got to see it right yeah uh, but I think it's so funny to me when I can tell clearly at what point like you the broadcast stopped being yeah. helpful and it just cuts <laughs> to like what looks like it looks like you just hit up like everyone that was at the game and you were like hey people in the front row on the field level do you have cell phone footage of this dude flipping the bat because baseball is not interested in it apparently can and like can i and i'm just like imagining you like 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 reaching out to I, like finding a way to hit up the people who are sitting in the front row and be like i've like, done what that cell phone videos no i, way, I you have i did it for for one of them i think it was i don't I don't think it was Brian Goodwin this year. Um, there's somebody, it might've been somebody on not the white side. It might've been the twins. Cause that's the other thing. The twins never post. Like I very f- rarely have twins bat flips. Cause they just never post that angle. That's the thing is like a lot of the times I'm limited by which teams have good social media and which teams don't like, you know, the that's Dodgers a, yep. are very inconsistent about it. Like sometimes they do it. Also, just not many people on the Dodgers bat flip. Um, but like, I remember there was one that I just had to have. And I remember there was even the team had posted a side view that still cut off before the, the best part. And like, I don't understand what we're doing here. Uh, but there was somebody who, who had like, you know, very, very like grainy footage on, on the side of, of like, I think a, a later home run. And I was like, did you happen to, to have, you know, catch this one? And they didn't, but I, 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 I tried to, tried. I, I tried. Yeah. I, but like, cause sometimes there are those flips where it's like, okay, like, yeah, I didn't get, get footage of it, so I can't really do it, but it wasn't that good in the first place, so I'm, I'm fine with it. But there are also very, very much times where I'm like, I need this one because it could, it's like, could be top five this season. Like, I can't, I can't post this, this article without it, without having this. Like, right, the this, whole thing would be guy. a sham if this is not Exactly, included. exactly. Yeah. And I don't, I don't ever want people coming after me in the comments, like, well, you know, is, you where's Matt get... Chapman's bat flip? I'm yeah. like, I don't know, ask, ask MLB. Ask, ask where is it? <laughs> Ask the ask the one thousand people at an Oakland game, like why why oh. they don't have it either. <laughs> uh, 
so I want to ask, uh, Brian Goodwin wins the Thunderdome this year against As Fernando Tatis, which, which, by, oh, okay, I was going to say, so my first question was, you know, was Brian Goodwin the deserving winner? And it sounds like you, that, cause I, obviously you have to put all these out. Yeah. More or less unbiased, right? Obviously you rank them and whatnot, but you know, the, it's uh, out of your hands. It's up to the people. So Brian Goodwin was your winner this year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's also, like I said, Tati suffers from just being on a completely different level than everyone else. He operates at a, yeah. at a level just above everyone else when it comes to just theatrics, but yeah. you, you can't, I just feel like you can't really compete with somebody who throws the bat 40 feet in the air. Um, and it was also for me, it was retribution too, because the previous year's championship Tatis actually uh, won out against uh, Wilson Contreras in that bat flip I mentioned where he did do this very similar thing. Uh, but re- what I really loved is like, you know, anyone can bat flip. I mean, you got to hit a home mm-hmm. run first. So there's that, but like really <laughs> anyone Fletcher, can do it. David Fletcher's not doing a whole lot of bat flips these days. No, no, not so much. Uh, but we love him because he's David Fletcher, but uh it, but really, it's like Brian Goodwin. Like, can you tell me, like, what, you know, I, I don't say this to disparage Brian Goodwin, but I'm just saying he's he's not on the level of Ronald Acuna Jr., right? But, right. you know, anyone can come up big. It's That's what I love about baseball. Anyone can come up big in the in the big moment, right? And in, in, from the role guy to your superstars, like, and so it's really cool when, you know, we have those opportunities to celebrate the guys who just, you know, maybe aren't the biggest stars, but they come through in the clutch and they win the game for their team. And Brian yeah. Goodwin was that was one of those moments where, you know, obviously, like I watched him for a little bit when he was on the Angels, but like he's, you know, he's he's not like, uh, you know, the the Wheaties guy, but he, he right. definitely deserved his moment to shine. And I'm really happy that, you know, the uh, the pitcherless community agreed with me because I was really I was really pulling for him. Usually, you know, there's the other part where people vote for whoever their favorite team is. Right. right. And so like Tatis gets or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So Tatis gets a lot of a buffer just based on like name brand. Uh, right. So I was, I was happy that we were able to, to, to get that one right uh, for sure. Yeah. And, and in, in convincing fashion, Goodwin getting 77% of the yeah. votes. I mean, it was yeah. not, it was not particularly close. Um, the Goodwin thing that you mentioned, it's, it's really cool because I think that was one of the uh, things that was picked in the first round of our best things about baseball draft, which is that <laughs> anyone can be a hero in any yeah. game. I mean, David Fries is maybe not a household name in across America, but definitely in St. Louis. Um, you know, it, it's just, you've got all these guys that just come up. I brought, um, I always, th- I always confuse Brock Holt and Brett Phillips for some reason, Brett Phillips being a, a, a walk-off, you know, uh, winner for the Rays in 2020 in a season when he probably had like 17 hits across the whole thing. Like, you know, just anyone yeah. can be sorry, I Brett f- Phillips. You probably had more hits than that, but I know, feel like it- Chris Taylor deserves part of that walk off. Um, <laughs> like a, part of the credit there, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I love yeah, about baseball is, is really, you know, you don't know where it can come from. And more often than not, the spotlight finds the underdog and it's, it's really like it, in a lot of these times it's guys who haven't had necessarily a great season or maybe they go zero for four they boot a couple balls in the field but mm-hmm. baseball always gives you a chance to redeem yourself and i think that's what's really beautiful about it is you always have that shot to, to come up big and, and i feel like you know too like you kind of like you can follow the narrative of the game a little bit and and read the read the tea leaves right and you're like okay like this guy booted a ball you know he's going to come up in the in the big spot later like you can kind of see what's going on and because i don't know baseball just has like Every game's like kind of like I feel like it's got a plot, right? Like, like right. I, you know, maybe that's just me being a little, a little, you know, out a there, a little rosy it. about it. Yeah, exactly. But I, you know, you can, you can kind of see, like, 
you know, I like like when the Dodgers came back from, you know, the three one deficit in 2020, like I was like, you know, I, I feel like this is it. Like, you know, I, I, I can see them coming back from this like it's. I don't want to say it's only Atlanta because they're a good team too, but you know, and obviously they won the world series last year. So good for them. But like it, it you know, you can kind of, I don't know. I feel like you can feel the, the energy and the momentum and that kind of, I don't know. It's, I, I yeah, no, just I'm a hundred percent with you. Like you, you're, you're not crazy. Uh, I mean, well, you are crazy, <laughs> a little bit, but like, a little bit. but like all of us baseball fans are crazy in the same way. So it's not just you, by the way, Brett Phillips had 10 hits in 2020. So I actually, wow. The number of hits to be fair, shortened season bench player only, yeah. only came to the plate 59 times. Like, you know, that's, uh, you know, fewer than, than normal yeah. for, that's for my opportunities. So, yeah. So that's, uh, that's on me for, 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 you know, giving for Brett Phillips last year. Uh, had 52 hits. Okay. So much, much better, much better hitter than, than, than what he showed in 2020. Hey, Alex fast here. And thanks for listening to this podcast on the pitcher list podcast network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL plus subscription where you're going to get an ad free website and get access to our discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus you can hang out with our incredible pitcher list community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show I wanted to so bat flips. There to me, you talk about the evolution of the bat flip and the different the different ways that things have gone since Jose Bautista's. And I think another turning point too was Tim Anderson's uh, a few years ago. That yeah. was another one where like that had so much rhetoric around it. And I think it really did open the doors for other players to feel confident in flipping the bat because Tim Anderson did it. And yeah, it, it became a thing, but like it was still like it was still earned, it was still deserved. Um so there's been four types of bat flips. Um, from from what I can from what I can gather, and I'm curious if I'm missing any. Okay, so the first one, okay. you've got you've got the spin cycle, which I think is like a traditional <laughs> flip. When I think of a flip, yeah. I think of the bat rotates. So that to me is like the traditional one. The bat's got to do like at least a 360 degree rotation. Sometimes you see ones that that turn three four times over, uh, but that's the spin cycle. Then you've got the moon shots, right? Your Wilson Contreras, your <laughs> Brian Goodwin, just get this thing as much height as possible. Right. It doesn't have to rotate doesn't have to make doesn't have to end up any further from where he threw it to where it landed but like it's going it's going high up in the air uh you have the mic drops where they just they just drop the bat there's no rotation to it maybe it'll do like a 180 um sometimes they drop it from up high sometimes they just drop it from down low usually depends on where their swing ends um and then there's the uh get this bat as far away from me (laughs) as humanly possible and that's like the jose bautista the tim anderson just like this thing that I'm holding is dangerous and toxic and I'm going to throw it 50 feet away from me immediately because <laughs> otherwise it's a danger to everyone around me. Uh, is there, are there any types of bat flips that I'm missing? I feel like, I feel like you, na- you nailed it. And those were, those were some pretty great names for him too. Um, I feel like moonshots are so rare. I don't really necessarily consider them by themselves. Like I feel like that's an ex- like kind of like a fusion of the flip and the, the get it away from me. Yeah. That's um, fair. You know, I really like I really like that that last one, like the get it away from me, because it's just like they're throwing a spear at that point. Like it's it's definitely like 
like very troubling when you you know take take away the context of the celebration you're like that is a deadly weapon that they're just chucking through the air in the direction of their teammates uh yeah usually they throw it in the direction of their own own dugout which like good yeah if you threw it in the direction of the other dugout that probably is a fight and also you then have to go to the other team's dugout to retrieve your bat or you're sending really what you're doing is you're sending your poor bat boy yeah into the <laughs> den of wolves um you know and and uh we all know like that you know we, we saw what happened in in the 2002 world series like yeah uh, you know uh you got to be careful about Fair where you're putting your bat boys um but uh yeah you're you're you could absolutely deck your own teammate with yeah. your with your bat and I, I do think, actually, now that I think about it, there is one more category that I'd add to that. And that's more like, I don't know, I, it's it's more like theatrical, but it's less about like the flip itself and what they do immediately following it. Because there's we've seen that a lot, too. Like, uh, you know, I'm not not going to name him, but, you know, that player a couple couple years ago uh, for Atlanta who hit the home run and then did like mm. mimed a selfie. Right. Like that that mm. moment was was like pretty legendary at the time. Or I know Ronald Acuna Jr. Before he got hurt this year, he had a gnarly bat flip where he he it was like a very like standard like he flipped the bat away like you know it was solid not not mind blowing but then he like pounded it he did this really cool celebration where he like reloaded his arms like Henry Cavill in Mission Impossible like if you've seen that you you'll know what I'm talking about um, it, it just it looked like that like it looked like he like reloaded his arms in front of him and then he pounded his chest. Uh, and it was just really, really sick. Uh, now they've started incorporating, like, of course, like guys are doing the Euro step at third base and, yep, and coming yep. home. Like, so it's, it's, it's definitely branching out. And I think it's also like, because I think there is kind of a ceiling to, to bat. It's like the dunk contest. Like how many things can you do before they're all done? Uh, but right, we're, right. we're seeing guys definitely experiment. Like I said, like Taylor Trammell, whether it was intentional or not, like that double flip, nobody's done that before that I've ever seen where he right. flips it catches it flips it the other way that was really really sick um so yeah i think i think there's definitely a lot of room for for experimentation as as we go on even if we're not quite there yet but i think my personal preference out of all of them like it's a little controversial but i the bat drops i think are the most like like the mic drops really i think are the biggest like punctuation mark you can have because it's I don't know. It's just so arrogant. I love it. It's just so like, it's, it's just so much of a, yeah, I'm that guy. Like I, I'm that dude. Like I did that. Like Yasmani Grandal, like he does it. He's the best bat dropper in the game. Um, and he does it from both sides of the plate and he's just got that, <laughs> that and Grandal too, just like, you know, he's, he's just such a, a fun player. Cause he's got that cool, calm and collected. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm that dude. I just, I just hit that ball 400 feet. Go get it. Right. Yeah. Uh, Tim Anderson, I think, you know, he's most known for, you know, the bat like throws, but he hasn't really, he's only done that a handful of times. Like, yeah, when he the field dropped, of dreams drop was, was incredible. Exactly. That that's, I think, yeah, probably my top, that's top three for me from, from last year. Cause he just, he dropped it and that, that was, he did the, the Vince, the Vince Carper, uh, Carter, like, you know, uh, Carper, it's still early for me. <laughs> uh, he did the Vince, the Vince Carter taunt you know like it's over yeah. like doing the yep. hands ac- across the neck and especially like after everything that led up to that that final swing of that game like that was incredible and then you get it into the cornfield and with the fireworks it, it looked like the the fourth of july game from the sandlot that game was scripted you can't tell oh 100 percent. yeah baseball's uh, rigged. yeah based the whole thing's rigged they all tell them before they go into the game what's gonna happen and that game is proof of it uh <laughs> the um 
the the two things I wanted to just kind of wrap up on on bat flips here. Number one being that uh, there's one type of bat flip that didn't really get included in there, and I don't I don't know how I feel about them. And it's the one where they they like hold the bat halfway to first base. Or I think there was one where I think Acuna damn near made it to first base before he like yeah. like with the bat. And to me, it's like like there's there's room. I think that's the room for experimentation, right? Is like what can you do as you're running to first base? I think that's maybe where we take it next but there's so many of those where i feel like it's more of they're having that internal monologue of like do i want to do it or what not? do i at do point, <laughs> yeah at that point it's like just just drop the bat man like if you yeah. don't have a plan at this point like if you didn't then then just drop the bat uh and you then gotta go to, to the, the plate with a plan not to hit but to, for, to celebrate after that's what celebrate. you should be thinking about when you step in the box Hundred percent. So if I hit this one to left field, right? So I'm gonna do this. But then if it's a, a opposite field shot, you gotta have plans for everything. You gotta you gotta right, have a contingency right. plan. Um, the thing with the mic drops is I think I think they're a um, how cool they look depends on the batter's swing. And if the batter ends yeah. with the bat high, the mic drop looks cool. But if the batter swings and ends with the bat low, it just looks like he's just dropping. It doesn't look like a thing anymore. It's just I the, the, I'm done hitting the ball and I do not need you anymore, bat. You know, so yeah, that's I, that's my take on it personally. I'll push back on that a little bit because there are some hitters that drop the bat low that still look nasty, like Max Muncie. I think he's probably the most entertaining home run swing in on the Dodgers. Like, because he he his backswing, he ends with the bat low, but he still is so forceful with his swing that it looks like he's just throwing it on the ground. That's fair. That's you know, fair. so I think yeah, I think there's something to be said for for both. But uh, yeah, it's just like such a like that's like. I feel like it's all I like it more than a bat flip because it's like immediately as soon as they hit the ball, they're like, that's gone. Get this out yeah. of here. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm done. I don't need this bat. Like, but. yeah, there's no it's not conscious. They're not thinking about like the the flip or anything. Like that. It's just like I we're done here. Like, yeah. my job is done. Like, there's exactly. nothing for you to do anymore. Uh, Muncie, if you listen to this and you're offended that I said your type of bat flip isn't the best, I apologize. I will go jump into the bay and, and get my take out of the ocean. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um Okay, uh, we we talk so much about baseball. Like we're supposed to talk about stuff that isn't just baseball. So sure. we'll, I mean, we can get to that. We can get to that. It's not we. We've got some more baseball stuff to talk about. And I, I want to know, like, what was a cooler experience for you? Because I know you've had so many cool experiences in baseball. So um, I just want what was cooler, something that you're going to remember longer, or whatever. Going to the Dodgers wild card game this year, seeing that Chris Taylor game winner, which you told me you were in the bleachers for that game on the bleachers that they that, that the <laughs> home run landed in so like absolutely incredible i've never been in the bleachers for uh definitely not for a walk-off i don't even know right. if i've been in the bleachers for a home run uh, but that's also because i just don't sit in the bleachers as often i'm more of a top tech guy so yeah. maybe maybe that's on me was that cooler or was interviewing Flet, uh, fred claire uh dodgers general manager of the 1988 team cooler? man you're gonna <sighs> You're going to do this to me? Like, what if Fred oh, listens yeah. to this? You're going to get me in trouble with Fred? Um, I think... Well, not if you pick interviewing Fred Claire. I'm not going to get you in trouble with Fred. They're, they're just... In, they're incomparable. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to cop out. But I, I think that, that Fred is just such a... He's got such a wealth of knowledge about the game. Like, he's one of those guys where, like, I'll listen to him tell stories for, for however long. Because it's just... It, it's incredible, like, how much baseball he's witnessed, right? And that was... Mm-hmm. That was wild because that was like our 16th episode. Like we had not been going that long. I mean, we're at 40 now. Uh, but like I remember like like, uh, you know, meeting Fred through like a, a, a you know, mutual connection. It was just like setting that up was like so wild. And Brandon and I before we had him in the Zoom room, we're like, 
okay, we're really going to do this. We're going to, we're going to interview a world series winning general manager. Oh my God. <laughs> of your, of your favorite team. Of the though. Dodgers. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure that they hadn't won the world, the 2020 at that point. Uh, so we were like, wow, this is, this is incredible. Um, yeah, I, I love that. That was such a unique experience. I'd love to have him back someday. Uh, cause you know, I'd love a little more time with him and, and get to talk about some, some other players and get into that. Very, very grateful to have had that experience. Uh, you know, of course, like, you know, that, that home run was also just incredible. That was, uh, I, I think I tweeted something about it with, with my buddy that I was at the game with, but that was, I had taken him to, cause I, I've, of course, I'm sure you've had these experiences where I'm like, I'm hell bent on, on my getting my friends into baseball, whether they like it or not. <laughs> um, so I, I had taken, that was my friend, Simon, Hi, uh, shout out to Simon. Uh, but we, uh, I had actually gone to a game with him earlier in the year where Will Smith hit a walk-off home run uh, against the Giants. That was huge. So Simon just needs to go to more games. Simon I mean. needed, I needed to apparently take him to the NLCS, but uh, that was, <laughs> that was incredible. Cause that was his first, his first Dodger game he'd ever gone to was Will Smith. Second one he ever had gone to was the wild card game when Chris Taylor hit the walk-off. And so like, I didn't want to abuse the magic too much. Right, uh, right. But, but that was like, I remember just like sitting, you know, sitting with him in the bleachers and, uh, I just I, I remember that moment because I remember uh, I, I forget who was pitching for the Cardinals, but I remember sitting in the bleachers and Chris Taylor came up to the plate. and was like, I just have a feeling like you get that that like I said, like you just kind of like can can feel the narrative unfolding in front of you. And when he hit that, when he, he, that was one where I can't, I don't know if this has just been played up I, in my mind after. And it's kind of like, you know, cause obviously your memories, like it kind of, I don't know, the more you remember something, it changes the story a little bit. But I remember hearing that bat, like hearing the ball hit the bat and it was quiet. Like it was, it was quiet for a half second and you could just hear it ring out. And I was like, that's gone. Like that is, yeah. that ball is gone. And we were in the, uh, in, yeah, the left field you know, bleachers and it landed like half a section to a section over. So not close enough for us to really make a play on it or, or, or anything. I, I would have broken my wrist trying to go grab it, but uh, it was, it was, I remember cause I just sat there. Like I just, I didn't cheer. I, I mean, in the moment uh, I didn't, I didn't do any of that. And I just remember sitting there and kind of just soaking it in. Like I was, I was quiet. Like, cause you, I heard it and, and I just like felt a wave of calm wash over me. And I, I just took it in because everyone around me just exploded ever like the the noise was deafening it, it was there was you know <laughs> beer and popcorn thrown everywhere everyone's <laughs> high-fiving and i just looked at simon and i said that's what a baseball game is like, like i was like that's baseball and he was yeah. like lo losing his mind right uh and that was really cool because i could just see like he had you know at least he told me he had a ton of fun he better have had a ton of fun you can't get much better than that um yeah, but if I just Simon's remember, not into baseball after that yeah. game, he's not going to be into baseball. I, I just remember like that that flood of like you need to remember this moment and 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 just really take it all in. And so everyone's losing their mind. And I was just kind of like looking around with with wide eyes, just like this is awesome. Um, and yeah. then of course I I turned into a, an animal and started like frothing in the mouth and high fiving everyone around me and like <laughs> like losing my mind all the way out into the parking lot. But uh, that was just like for for, uh, you know, it, it was like when, you know, Vince Scully's tenet of being a good baseball broadcaster is sometimes you got to let the crowd speak. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and it was really just like taking in that electric atmosphere and letting it kind of like wash over me while I just kind of kind of experienced the moment. I was like, wow, 
Chris Taylor is that dude. Like he, yeah. like, like that was like, of course it was him because it's always him. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's always seen lead off the world series, that home run as well. I mean, Chris Taylor just, just yeah. knows when to, when to, uh, like, you know, bring it. I am, I am obviously quite sad about Corey Seager leaving, but if it meant, oh. you know, I, I, sorry, I didn't mean to be a downer, but Getting Chris Taylor back because I I thought there was no no way in the world they'd be able to to resign Chris Taylor. Getting him back and getting to watch him for the next four four something years is just that's that's as good a consolation prize that and Trey Turner <laughs> those are two yeah, pretty yeah. pretty great consolation prizes because we're spoiled as as Dodgers fans but uh, yeah yeah that was just a, an amazing moment for me and so I I got to bring Simon out to out to some more games apparently uh yeah that that was one I'll remember I think for for forever yeah I do love Trey Turner Trey Turner is a lot of fun I just uh. Every time I think about Seager, I just am reminded that I need to buy a new Dodger jersey, and it uh, pains me because that's my that's my jersey. I love Seager so much, man. I don't know who I'm gonna get next. Um, you know, it's for me, it's always like I gotta have that player. Like, I, obviously, I love all the Dodgers, but I have to have that player that like I just yeah. can. And to me, I love gap power. I don't know why. Like, yeah. I, I love a double more than I love a home run, which is like the weirdest thing. Um, Verdugo is gonna be that guy for me. Uh, so I, I love who I it love is. Doogie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who it is going to be next. I don't want to get like a Justin Turner. I want to get someone that, um, you know, uh, is, is still like, you know, I have, I've had that Seager jersey since like 2017. So like, obviously right. he was great, but he was still like relatively early in his career. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't think I can get a Gavin Lux jersey yet. Um, mm. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's Urias. I could get a Julio Urias jersey. I, uh, Dustin May, Dustin May could be a good one. Actually. I, I think the next jersey I'm going to get is a Bruce Stargrad or all jersey because oh, that dude is a ele- that, that dude is like they call him the bazooka for a reason. He's the most entertaining relief relief pitcher. You know, obviously that's very biased. But for me, he's the most entertaining guy when he comes in because he like leans and rocks back and looks like he's throwing like BP and then it'll come in at 103. And you're like, where did that come from? Right. Uh, so and 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 what might be something very difficult to say, it might be very painful to say, is Bruzdar the pitcher that has like the widest gap between how cool he looks and also how effective he actually is as a pitcher? Like the Noah Syndergaard thing, where like Syndergaard, everyone thinks he's amazing because he just looks so cool on the mound, but then you look at his numbers and you're like, he's actually. I've got to okay. be honest. I've never been a Noah Syndergaard fan. Uh, I, I I just I don't know. You can't don't there's okay. only enough okay. room I, for so many Noah's out there. And I feel like he's, <laughs> he's encroaching on my territory. Um, but Bruce star, I feel like, yeah, there's, there's the whole conversation about how effective is that, that sinker. Right. Uh, because right. he, you know, there's not a lot of guys who pitch to contact when they throw over a hundred miles an hour, but Bruce Star's going to get there. He's got the tools and it's, it's like, you can teach a guy who throws 100 to make a couple tweaks and miss some bats. And we've, yeah. we've seen that at points too. Like there have been a couple times where like, Oh, he just struck, struck like three guys out. Where did that come from? Um, and I think he's going to get there. It's, it's, you know, he's got obviously a very good development staff around him. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and, oh, yeah. and, you know, he works really, really hard. And so I, I think that, you know, with, with just that, that combination of that and his just amazing, uh, you know, talent, like he's gonna, he, I think he's definitely gonna, going to be one of the next premier firefight firemen out there. Uh, and I think that also says something to the Dodgers confidence in him because he, you know, f- he's the guy that they go to a lot, you know, most in the, you know, there's Trinan of course, but he's really, Bruce star is really that guy they'll throw out there when they need three outs too. Like, yeah, they yeah. might be on really hard hit balls, but he'll get the job done. Um, <laughs> 
he might he might make you you know you know clutch your chest a little bit, but he gets it done, and and he does a- the analytics really cool people jelly. everywhere are like, yeah. oh god, like that's everything wrong with the current baseball fan. Yeah, like I mean that's fine, like it, but I I think it's it's a lot easier to teach a guy who throws a hundred, you know, a couple things to start missing bats than it is to teach a guy who throws ninety five to start throwing a hundred, right? Like I I feel like he's so young, he's got so much of his career ahead of him, he'll definitely yeah. he'll he'll get there. He's he's like. He's younger than I am. Like that's like, and he always will be. Don't say that. I'm still Juan Soto. When Juan Soto retires, it's going to be a dark day in my life because he was the first player that was younger than me. I remember like being a freshman in college, and he was like 18, right? When he made his debut, I'm like, what have I done with my life? Like, I'm sitting in chemistry right now with this guy's out there doing bat flips and and hitting home runs. <laughs> And and uh, doing the Soto shuffle. Listen, yeah. it's not it's not when he retires that's gonna be painful for you. It's gonna be when the fans start like talking. Oh no, Soto's old. Like Soto's He's ineffective. Yeah. Like, it, exactly. <laughs> that's that's when it'll get you. I I luckily haven't got to that age myself yet, but I know it's coming. Uh, I'm very concerned about it. Uh, okay, let's. Uh, I want to know a little bit more about Noah Scott the person, um, because I I know. Uh, there's there's more to you than baseball, and if the answer is no, that's all there is to me. That's totally <laughs> fine by more. me as well. But <laughs> but but Noah, what? Tell me tell me more about yourself. Tell me uh, I don't know the kind of stuff that you like to do. What you're what you're up to. What do you do when you're not watching or listening to baseball? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm usually watching or listening to baseball, except for right now. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm really into like, uh, you know, the wacky leagues, like, like, that's the thing is like, it's, it's tangentially related to baseball. Like, that's like one of my bigger <laughs> hobbies, like league of leagues ruined my life. It ruined fantasy sports for me. I can't play anything else, uh, because I'm just like, so fixated on that, but beyond like fantasy and, and beyond baseball. Wait, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. You okay. can't just like drop that and then move okay. on. Okay. The, Le- the league of leagues for those who don't know. And, and I, I imagine there's, it's not, it's still not like that big. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is a, it is a, and I've, I've seen multiple iterations of it, but the most common is a three sport fantasy league where you yeah. have the same owners throughout all three sports. Typically it's baseball, football, and basketball. Um, right. played in that order. I think most commonly you see the season start with baseball in April and then it ends usually with like, uh, fantasy basketball. Every league's a little different. Some of them will have the two seasons overlap for that month that basketball is still playing and, and baseball is just starting up. Others will call the basketball season like around the all-star break. Um, mm-hmm. And then that way you have that clean, clean split. But uh, you play all three sports and the winner of your league is the person who did the best across all three leagues. It's not enough to be good in one. Um, yeah. You can have cross sport trades. Like you could trade Mike Trout for, I don't know, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, uh, we get two two injured we top get crazy. picks. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I, yeah, so League of Leagues for you. This is your you're entering your third season of it, right? Yeah, quote unquote, you know, third because we've done overlaps. So the first one I think we started with the basketball season. The second one we started with football, and this one, well, we were we are starting with baseball. So it's really like playing it for two years but like three gotcha. seasons because we've doubled up a little bit because we're in this for the long haul i'm really lucky to have a group of friends that is like is you know into this and, and unhinged as i am um so it's you know we're we're just kind of figuring out what works best for for the long run for us but yeah it's it's ruined, ruined other sports for me because one i can't find any information like about hypothetically basketball for this upcoming season when the last season's currently in progress if that makes right, sense right, exactly uh, but yeah, it's also like today for a season that starts seven months yeah from now. well whenever i look at draft information like we have a 500 player draft 50 rounds and it's like whenever i look for info online like i'm thinking like ah oh, you know like uh garrett cole really good 
how's he stack up against uh you know i don't know derrick henry yeah, yeah john morant and and, and derrick henry and uh, you know guys like that and like it's a lot of the time, and, but it's good because it's it's very balanced because everyone's on mostly even ground. Because if you think about it, most people are good at one sport, decent mm-hmm. or good at a second, and really out of their depth in the third sport. Right. Um, so it, it really balances out. And I think you've seen you know glimpses of that when I'll hit you up. Like even the other day, I was like, Miles, help me with football. I don't know what I'm doing. How do I rank running backs? Um, my bad sport is basketball. I, I usually like do pretty well at football. And I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because I don't have like that big like bias connection that i do in baseball that kind of causes me to get into trouble um <laughs> but it yeah we we get nuts with it you can trade we do intersport trades all the time and it's great because mm-hmm. it, it encourages trades because no one really knows what they're doing like right, they're right. you know because there's so much how do you compare players against sports right how do you compare christian mccaffrey to mike trout to you know lebron james or anthony davis like you can't you can't so like so there's so much like opacity that it's it's you don't know what's what if is this a good idea is it not like i i think the yeah. most like he, biggest trade i've i've done was like i traded adam thielen and uh darren waller and i got back this was in time for the playoff push in basketball and i got back harden Embiid and Kawhi leonard went horribly for me but you know his side he had you know, it was based on this past football season. Didn't really work out for him either. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's so satisfying because it's like a year long season. So you're really mm-hmm. like in it, right? Uh, and so like, but when you're the winner, you're just you're the best at all three sports. Like, I feel like that's that's so much more interesting than me just playing a a just baseball league or a just football right. league. It's like, yeah, like I'm good, but I feel like when you're playing three sports, like yeah, there's a lot of luck and there's a lot of you know getting getting guys in the right spot and some good waiver pickups but it's so much more skill based i think because you have to be you know very like consistently making good moves um or bad moves but uh, it also right. helps that our, our trophy is a sword so there's something to always work forward uh, that's awesome you know always always look forward to uh i and winning is so satisfying i mean i i assume i haven't won yet um <laughs> i assume it's a great time we'll, we'll get there this year uh but yeah it's and, and it's cool because, you know, we play it to where there's overlap. So, you know, you'll get a couple of months out of year where basketball overlaps with fo- with baseball or football. And so you're at least always contending, usually at least one sport. So, like, it's not, you know, yeah, you might not be doing great overall, but you can hang on to, you know, I'm going to I'm going to win this basketball league or I'm going to win this football league. Right, right, right. right. Uh, and Have something. Yeah. And then there's just so much opportunity, like because nobody there's nothing to look at, you know, f- to prepare for a draft this ridiculous like it's really there's just so much opportunity to change things up like we don't like the way we played it's like you can just just sell out for football or baseball or whatever and punt another sport or you can try and be in the middle range at all three and sometimes like it works sometimes it doesn't and we're all just kind of learning that and so like that's really fun and like i said i'm very lucky that i have a group of friends that is like as unhinged as i am and willing to do this uh and so we we have a good time like we've got like a twitter for it you know that that's fun it's just for us right just breaking trades and talking trash but it's it's right. really fun to just have something because it's it's great because it just keeps all my friends together like that's why i play fantasy yeah. sports it, it you know keeps my roommates you know together with my friends from home and and other people i know and it's just like an excuse to talk to them and and keep you know connections up but uh yeah, I I love it. It's it's a good time. They drive me crazy because I've I'm the commissioner of it. So like literally like we we had to get our keepers in on on Tuesday because we're drafting 
we're drafting, you know, in, in March. Like, that's why I hit you up. I was like, uh, this is going to sound weird, but I'm drafting football already, so help. Oh, it doesn't um, sound weird at all. It doesn't sound weird <laughs> Yeah, at all. I actually just listened to the QB list podcast about you guys doing your mock draft uh, the yeah, other day. I was so. about to say, it doesn't yeah. sound weird in the least. <laughs> Yeah, um, but but yeah, so it's really like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but it's, you know, we have fun with it. But yeah, so like I'll have keepers in, but people always, there's always so many like loopholes. Like we've got a rule book that's like 20 pages long because people keep trying to like, well, what if, you know, I, I do keepers? <laughs> like we had we had a, a month long debate about like whether waiver, people you get off waivers are allowed to be keepers, right? Um, and that drove me up the wall because it's like two in the morning and I'll wake up to these nut jobs just texting me like, but what if what if I do this? I'm like, just stop, just stop trying to find loopholes. Just let me live my life. Like, stop this. But uh, you should. There's probably some. There's definitely some professional sports organizations out there that em- employ people just to look for loopholes. So, oh yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, my friends can get a job. Yeah, Philadelphia Seventy <laughs> Sixers, circa 2014, definitely would have been calling. <laughs> um, but uh, well, I want. I have to go back to something. You you mentioned your your trophies a sword. What, how much of that was derived from uh, the KBO? Oh, one hundred percent of it. One hundred percent of it. The Korea, just for the Korean baseball organization, their their World Series trophy, whatever they call it, is literally a sword, a gigantic, yeah. amazing, incredible sword. Uh, that was, I think, the best thing that came out of everyone paying more attention to the KBO. <laughs> that and Dan Straley. Uh, that was back cool. To, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be pitching. Uh, I think he's in the Diamondbacks organization right now. Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, he signed a minor league deal with them. So, uh, Straley back stateside. Hopefully, some of the stuff he did in Korea that led him to being one of the best pitchers there can can come back with him. We've seen we've seen pitchers um, have success coming back after pitching overseas. So, hopefully, Straley can be the next one. Yeah. Um, okay. So, obviously, I asked about what you do, and you talked about League of Leagues. So, uh, sports runs uh, through and through. Yeah. Um, sounds like football is like your number two sport. Does that, does that sound about right? So so it's weird. Like baseball is like clean cut, like far and away my number one sport, the one I, I know the most about and the one I, I love of the most. I don't love football for the sport. I love football for the fantasy element. So as soon mm-hmm. as fantasy's over, I don't really care. Um, it, Which in the League of Leagues means never now for you. So. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I, it's also in part because when I was growing up, you know, in Los Angeles, we didn't have a team. No so team. I'm, a, I'm a New yeah. York. I'm a New York Giants fan, which is weird but i feel like everyone i know has weird allegiances yeah. whether it's some a lot, i know a lot of chargers fans which is just embarrassing for them um but like i said like i'm a huge like i i was like i remember you know it was like 2008 or whatever 2009 and, and just like watching them i was like a child like, like just like you know what whoever wins this i'm gonna be a fan of i like the blue and red jersey combo i heard that manning guy was pretty good i just picked the wrong one <laughs> um and so but but i'm not a i'm not a quitter i'm not gonna quit on on my boys so yeah they're they're you know a dumpster fire these days but you know i figure it's good for my character because the dodgers have have made me so spoiled with with you know how they run the team and and how good they are i you gotta have a a a bad team to really keep you in check and and keep your your ego down but uh i think i think honestly i like watching basketball more than than football Mm -hmm. i just don't understand it as well uh but yeah you know lakers of course are are huge here so huge laker guy uh but uh, yeah, that's that's also been a little rough these days. So uh, <laughs> I haven't been watching a lot of Lakers games lately. But uh, yeah, I mean, baseball is just far and away the number one, though. Yeah, Lakers are really tough to watch right now. Huge basketball fan here. And I just for me, like I'm a huge fan of the sport. And when I right. I would rather have I, I enjoyed watching those rebuilding Lakers because they just they played freely. They played fun. This this Lakers team is not fun to watch. They do not play a fun style of basketball. And it's just not um 
not aesthetically pleasing. I'm not into it. Uh, I don't want to get to, I don't want to talk too much yeah. about the Lakers. Yeah. It's not, it's not <laughs> a good time right now. Well, maybe, maybe in a few years we can like yeah. be all happy again about them. But uh, <laughs> maybe like 2027 when we have a first round pick again. Anyway, <laughs> this is not about that. Uh, so you, uh, if I remember you, you attended or are attending, I think you graduated from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I graduated. Um, so that's, what did you graduate with? Uh, so I got a bachelor's of science in business administration. I was focusing okay. on uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, so that that was, you know, it's it's good. It's not really necessarily, I, I don't know, it's not necessarily what I want to do long term because uh, mm-hmm. I, I love this this writing game. And I've been kind of really, this last year has been good for me because I've been branching out, like, you know, writing about baseball. I've been really into writing, like, fiction uh, lately, which has been a That's really, awesome. really fun challenge. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's good to have a, have a good, you know, can't. It's very applicable to things, you know, having a degree. Yeah, exactly. Cool. I mean, the, you, you're never going to disqualify yourself from a job, except exactly. for like those ones that are like very specialized and they need like yeah. computer science yeah. people. But like, you're never going to disqualify yourself from a job by having a, a business yeah. degree. Uh, I fully expected you to say history. Like I was like, he history. history <laughs> uh, Honestly, it would have been more fun. <laughs> um, what's really funny is I, I almost attended San Luis Obispo. Uh, it was literally ah. my number two. Uh, and if it wasn't for the fact that Chapman was about 20 minutes away from Disneyland, uh, that's, that's pretty much what, what sold me that. And the fact that like I could get home in an hour drive with no traffic versus like San Luis Obispo to LA, no traffic is like three hours minimum. Yeah. And then, and then at that, like at, at the time I didn't have a car. Um, and so I was doing things based on like Amtrak and like the, the train and you can get the train, uh, takes maybe like an hour and a half, including stops to get from to get from Orange County to uh, the San Fernando Valley where I lived and Amtrak was going to be close to like four between four and five hours. So I was like, that's literally like if I'm trying to go home for like the weekend, like I literally have like lose my whole weekend just traveling. So, yeah, um, you know, as someone who didn't know how to do laundry, it was very important for me to, <laughs> <laughs> to have that uh, path back home. Um, so so what are you what are you doing now? What are, what's uh, what's keeping you busy these days? Uh, can be busy these days. I mean, I'm just staring out the window waiting for baseball to return. Uh, but, uh, (laughs) you're looking like the, uh, the, the, not the El Chapo. What's the, um, the Narcos, the Narcos meme. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Him him just just... not knowing what to do with myself. It's, well, it's like, it's like, you know, when will my husband return from war? It's that whole thing. I'm like, when will Mike Trout return? I miss Shohei. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, these days, like I said, I've been doing a lot of fiction writing. I've been working on something that I don't, I, I'm not going to talk too much about because no, I have of this course. tendency to like, you know, talk about something and then like, it kind of hurts my motivation to do it. But um, well, and, and you don't want other people to steal your, your also that. Ideas, yeah, sure. You know, um, yeah, I, I have an article coming out next week though, which is I'm excited about because it's been a little while because, uh, you know, the podcast is kind of ever since we started that, that's kind of demanded most of my attention, but it's uh, ranking, right, of course. ranking the 15 best knuckleball seasons of all time. Uh, so that'll Bring be really, it back really to your fun. roots, baby. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, exactly. It's been a while since I've written about knuckleballs. Uh, yeah. And then just short hops and tall tales has been just such a, such a treat getting to do that every week. We recorded a couple banger episodes last night, if I do say so myself um and yeah so it's it's uh it's just been a really good time and it's it's yeah it's just waiting for waiting for baseball to come back and and dominate my life again you know even though it's pretty much dominated even it even though it's it's not going on right now but uh yeah i i'm gonna get to the mailbag questions in a second oh boy Um, but real quick i just i want to ask you i want to get your take on this so is is the season being delayed uh the last time that this happened obviously was 2020 
in 2020, the Dodgers were supposed to have the All-Star game. Obviously, that did not yep. happen. We we're supposed to have the All-Star game this year. So is is the season being delayed? Is this a bad omen about the Dodgers All-Star game chances moving forward? You know, or or hold on. I'm going to I'm going to get I'm about to give okay, you some sunshine. OK, here. OK. Or is it a good omen that we're going to win the World Series? Oh, okay. No, I, you brought it around because I was going to say you just ruined my morning. I hadn't even thought about the All-Star game. Like, was like I was so excited in 2020 because I will go to that home run derby or the game. Oh, absolutely. I don't know, I'll be there with you. Yeah, because it's it's like that's that's the thing that, you know, who knows how many times you can experience it, that, right? You know, but, uh, oh, man, I really wanted to go in 2020, obviously didn't work out that way i think it'd be hilarious if the dodgers won a shortened season again because people get so mad and it's so weird to me because you know i'm, I'm not going to get into this because they don't deserve to be talked about but like the astros fans who are who are you know oh it's, it's asterisk i'm like really ring. really like you guys you guys are banging trash cans yeah, yeah, and you yeah. want to talk to me it's like dude like everyone had the same opportunity to win the world series so yep. why didn't your team do it you know, like, what are you talking? It's, it's just like people love to hate the Dodgers. It's the DJ Khaled, like, uh, suffering from success. <laughs> hate the haters. The haters got us you're not, down. You're but... not doing us any favors right now, Noah. You're no, not helping. Yeah, yeah, way. exactly. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm being pretty insufferable. But it's, it's, it's really that. It's like you know, I understand the Dodgers are the team that spends, and they're the rich team that you know goes and gets the players, and they make big trades all the time. But maybe you should turn that that you know criticism inwards at your own team for being too cheap to pay players, and you know, not wanting to contend because what the Dodgers are doing is good for baseball. They're going out, they're mm -hmm. making things happen, they're trying to win every single season mm -hmm. and i i don't i don't see that happening from a lot of teams like look at the red sox they traded mookie freaking bets like what are you doing you should never have to trade i mean i'm thank you but like yeah, you should you. never should never be trading your hall of fame face of the franchise you're gonna retire that number like we traded for mookie bets it's like okay i guess nobody's ever wearing number 50 again like for you know for right, the dodgers exactly. right like like yep. you don't that trade should have never happened like i yeah, remember but they did get they got alex verdugo man alex and verdugo's I, I miss verdugo so much i miss verdugo i miss him walking up to volver volver he was like such a good city guy you know and like they don't, they're not gonna understand that in boston no, they definitely no. don't understand that whatsoever this isn't this isn't dropkick murphy's like it's really like <laughs> like there are very few you know every once in a while a player comes around that embodies the city and and alex verdugo yeah. i think he was next up for la right like he was yeah. next up in that that uh you know that that history but uh yep. i best of luck to him i really love uh you know verdugo he's he's a really good player We've attacked so many fan bases today, just like That's completely, fine. like just catching straight in other sports too, like the poor New York Giants fans <laughs> out there, like just, uh, um, but yeah, uh, you're the one, one who said by that the, way. the A's had no no fans, so yeah, I feel like that I said, was everyone's catching strays, like like it's not. I'm not just saying you, both of us, we're just we're just throwing it out there. Um, going back to what you said about the Dodgers being willing to spend, I, I see it not as willing to spend to win, but uh, we're not actively engaging in wage suppression like, uh, you know, a yeah. handful of other teams around the league. So, uh, you know, just 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 throwing that out there. Uh, if you're sad about our team spending, uh, be sad about your team suppressing wages for baseball players. Anyway, exactly. OK, uh, mailbag questions. We got we got th uh, three for you this week. And the first one is one that I find very interesting. Very curious for your take on it as someone who suffers from the same affliction. Uh, Trevor Huth wants to know, is it hard being a two first name guy? So. The first time I met Nick Pollock was when I interviewed for Pitcher List, and that was, I think, the second or third thing he ever said to me was, I don't trust people with two first names. I'm like, how do I respond to that? Like, this is like, what? <laughs> um, I actually have three because my middle name's Alexander. 
Uh, and I think that, uh, I don't know, like, like I did have a cousin whose name was Scott. Uh, you know, my last name's Oof. Scott. It, that was a bold move for sure. Uh, not but, on the uh, same side of the family, right? He, he wasn't no, Scott well, Scott. He, he was on the Scott side of the family, but, uh, that was different like his name. different last name. Last name okay. was Garns. Uh, shout out to my cousin. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. I, it's never really something I've thought about. I think it's like. I, I like I've been trying to use my middle name more because my name is really short and I think we need those extra syllables in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's people, you know, tease me about it. But, you know, if you're going to tease me about my name, like I feel like there's so many better things to tease me about, like my haircut or like, you know, <laughs> you know, my, you know, my, my question for the giants. Yeah, absolutely. my questionable choice of fashion. Right. But uh, I don't yeah. know. It doesn't really affect me. I think it's funny more than anything. Uh, it was so funny because I, I, I never knew any nelsons growing up but apparently right. nelson is is a first name and i i know more now nelson cruz for example yeah uh, but like i i never encountered you know in school in in sports literally ayso any of that stuff anyone named nelson until um i worked at sports authority in college uh-huh. and uh there was a guy so i worked in the in the team sports department right i helped your kid figure out which bat they wanted to use or which shin guard or whatever and our footwear guy who we had like the exact same availability. So like if I was working team sports, there was a like 75% chance he was working footwear. His name was Nelson. <laughs> and the number of times that our managers tried to get one of us and and neither of us ever, we like, they would say Nelson and then he would go do the thing and they'd be like, no, no, no. Oh God, yeah, that's right. Your name, I wanted, I wanted Miles. God, and it's that's just funny. like- just the smallest thing. Like I, I never thought about like how difficult it would be to like keep track of two people with different names, but like I have, I share my last name with him, but apparently it's difficult for people. So yeah, uh, that's the only, only experience I've ever had with like my two first names being an issue. Cause it's I, never, I never do have people. Otherwise. I do have people who, who will call me by my last name because like, like one of my best friends calls me Scott cause her boyfriend's also named Noah. Um, just to tell okay. us apart. That's, yeah, that's fair. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like either one works. Like, I don't really like. It'd be weird if somebody called me by my middle name. That might raise an eyebrow. But you know, <laughs> I've got two first names. Just use one of them. It's fine. I, I feel like I feel like the whole calling people by their last name thing is far less common for people like us, where our last name is also a first name, which is weird because uh-huh. you think it would be the other way around. But I feel like when when I think about people that I call by their last name, it's never. First of all, it's never a common last name. You never call someone Smith or Brown. Right. Um, but like the people that I call by their last name, like Fast. Fast is not a first name, <laughs> but that's what Alex Fast goes by. That's what it's everyone calls Cool name though. Uh, Trevor Huth, like I'll refer to him as Huth all the time. By the way, right. Trevor Huth asked this question. Yeah. Um, but I'll never, I would never ever refer to you as Scott. And I think it's because that's like another first name. And I don't know, it's weird. Um, okay. Second question. Uh, in MLB The Show, if you were to create yourself as a pitcher, uh, what would be your pitch mix and what would be your windup, which I think is a, a better question for you, so, author of Funky Windups. Uh, you know, I'm going to catch some heat from this, but I don't care because he's a very lovable player. But I, I've I've I, I've always created a pitcher in MLB The Show because I just find it very fun. I create both, you know, I don't know. Uh, oh, I do so too. my, my pitch mix, the classic pitch mix is because I think now you have to like sell out for you can't just. I think you have to like pick like a like a, you know, like a skill tree or something like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um. I sell out on velo. I sell out. I want to throw 102 miles an hour, but then I'll throw a knuckleball and just I'll let that. I will let that stat degrade. I never train the knuckleball velocity. So, you know, over time you don't train it, it, you know, it, it goes down. Right. So I'll end up throwing 102 and then floating a 68 mile an hour knuckleball in there. And I just, it's, it's game breaking. Like it's so entertaining. 
um it, it's just like you can like the computer like obviously doesn't have emotions but i can feel the shame like when, when you just because it's so dumb it's it's such a video game thing to do because you'll you'll gas them up up and in like you know twice oh like don drysdale God. and then you'll float like this like dinky little pitch in there that they'll they'll look at at the knees watching right um, I think that's also the most the best most satisfying for me is like getting a called third strike on a knuckleball that just paints the corner like that is just so cool. Um, I'll also throw a throw in like a you know I don't know uh, I'll throw a good slider sometimes I like throwing cutters that'll be in there but this usually is, this is hysterical. It's a two pitch mix for me. It's just throwing gas and then and then you know just throwing you know air right. Uh, so I, I you don't need more than that when you have like. A 35 mile per hour, you know, velocity differential like that is physically impossible for the human eye or the computer's eye, right? Um, yeah. But uh, so that's absurd. I always rock the Timberlands come wind up because uh, oh, he was, the, yeah, wild. He was. I felt like such a traitor in in like 2008 to 2000, like 12 or whatever, because I loved Tim Lincecum so much. He re, he was on MLB 2K7, I think that was my first first real video baseball video game that I got and and played a lot of. Uh, yeah, he was, you know, the freak is just a, he was such a cool guy. Um, and that windup is one of the most un like unnatural things I've ever seen. Like it's so violent and aggressive and it's so fun to watch. Uh, so I really like that one. Also love Dontrell Willis. Sometimes I'll rock mm -hmm. that, uh, just cause the, the leg, kick. the leg kick, yep. uh, El Duque for, for similar reasons. Um, but yeah, it's usually, usually, you know, you face off against my guy and it's, it's, you know, Tim Lincecum throwing a, you know, a knuckleball at you. And what do you do? You, you, you strike out is what you do. So that's, that's hysterical. I'm, I am like ashamed of myself for the way that I play the show because I've created the most boring pitcher, uh, <laughs> for forcing fastball, circle change, slider, curveball. And I, yeah. I, the, the curveball was the last pitch to come. It was one of those, you can add it, you know, in training. Yeah. And I, I added it because I threw the four seamer and the, and the change up to both, both sides. I threw the slider, obviously to right handers. That was my best pitch was my slider. And then I yeah. was like, I need a better pitch against left handers. So I added a 12, six curveball and I literally am sitting here and like, I am so boring that I created <laughs> the most boring pitcher possible. And I didn't even think about like the, just the possibilities that uh, you could have in a video game where like these, th you will never find a 102 mile an hour uh, pitcher in baseball. Also throw a knuckleball. Like they just, they're not going to yeah. do it. Like it's, why would they, but you can in a video game. It's that's what I love about it. And it's kind of what is kind of irritated me about the recent iterations of MLB, the shows. Cause I think they took out the knuckleball because they didn't want people using it online or something like, I don't remember. Oh, well, being you're not buying the any of the new ones. Are you? yeah it's gonna be hard they just announced chase utley's in the new one and that's my boy so well we might have to do it um yeah it's it's yeah but like whenever i see like oh i can throw a palm ball or an ephus like yeah sign <laughs> sign me up i want to throw some weird stuff yeah let's do it uh legalized spitballs and it'll be the show at least all right last question uh this one is from the last question by the way is from a uh, little piranha pl plus member um this one's from graphic designer justin redler uh, and, and I have to keep you short on this and I know you can go for days like, why I left this last. So I just, I just want, I just want to know, and I'm going to get both of them. So who is your favorite Dodger of the two thousands and who is your favorite Dodger of the 2010s? Can I answer Clayton Kershaw for both? <laughs> um, you, I, you can, absolutely. I, it's technically okay, true. I, I won't cop out like that. So my first favorite baseball player growing up was Nomar. Uh, he was, I was a huge Nomar fan. I'm still a huge Nomar fan. He's just a cool, cool guy. Now, was yeah. that, was that Red Sox shortstop Nomar? Oh, no, I don't. Did you become a fan as Dodgers I, first baseman Nomar? I was not 
physically conscious on earth when he played on the red Sox. um uh, i it's like you know i didn't nobody i didn't gain sentience until i was in about kindergarten right i was um, gonna say like so you were i was here but you're, i you were born I before or after 2004 <laughs> yeah i just i i woke up one day and i was in kindergarten right um and <laughs> I, I love Nomar though. I actually remember I went to a game uh with with a friend and and her family and we had they had like really good seats like down the first baseline for his work and Nomar hit a he was hitting and he hit a screaming foul ball like one of the ones where it's like yeah maybe it's a good idea we have nets uh right at <laughs> us and my buddy's uh my buddy's dad caught the ball handed it to me didn't hand it to his only daughter <laughs> handed oh me the God. ball which in retrospect kind of wild uh but yeah and it was just happened to be my favorite player it happened to be nomar uh and yeah so a huge huge nomar fan and he just looks so crisp in those jerseys like i think there's no nobody can wear i mean there's one person that wears a dodgers jersey very poorly um but you know really as a general rule it's hard to not look crisp in a dodgers uniform um and then as soon as clayton but then nomar retires right he actually gets traded Mm -hmm. and then you know around 2007 i distinctly remember like as a core memory like talking to my best friend nick we're in the car and it it was Ah, you know, I need a new player. And I was like, this kid, you know, there's a new pitcher. His name's Clayton Kershaw. Like, and it was very arbitrary. Like, I picked him very arbitrarily. I'm going to be a Clayton Kershaw fan now. This is just my guy. And wow, I lucked out. Like, and then, and then, of course, you know, I, I distinctly remember, like, watching that spring training. He snaps off the, the, the you know, Vince Scully called it public enemy number one, which is iconic. Uh, and I was like, wow, ooh, you know, you get the, the hair, hair raisin on your arms. Like, you're in the Sistine Chapel, right? And then you're just yeah. like... Like that's that's the guy, and I've been so lucky to watch his career unfold. And I will say this though, like I wish he came on the scene when I was a little older, so I could appreciate him more. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. like like, and and I think if I had a time machine, like yeah, I'd want to see Satchel Paige, I'd want to see Bob Gibson in 1968. <laughs> but there's a huge part of me that like. I just want to relive the Clayton Kershaw era, you know, like, yeah. like with, with my knowledge of baseball as it is now, I want to, I want to see that again. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, Clayton Kershaw, greatest pitcher I'll, I've ever seen greatest pitcher I will ever see, you know, obviously the DeGrom's amazing in his own right. Uh, but there's always pitchers that, that pop up and they're like incredible, but Clayton Kershaw really was so good. He was like suffering from the Mike Trout effect where he's so good that people don't want to give him awards when he does, he should have at least one more Cy Young. Um, but he's just like so dominant and such a low key guy that, you know, he, you know, people got used to him and that's the greatest injustice you can, you can have like when you're witnessing greatness. Uh, but it's also a credit to that player that he was so routine. It was so routine. His ERA dropped for the first time, like a year ago or two years ago. Like that is nuts. That is nuts. First ballot hall of fame. I am going to be in Cooperstown when he gives that speech. Uh, crying, go. bawling my eyes out like I did in 2020 when he raised that trophy. Uh, yeah. So, so that was yeah. It's it's Clayton Kershaw. I'm a writer die for him. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's him all the way. Shout out to Nomar though. Yeah, Kershaw's the man. Nomar, by the way, in that that first season with us, playing first base for the first time in his career, uh, finishes top 20 in MVP voting. Yeah, 20 home runs. Only plays 120 games, but uh, you know he, he was an important part of that. 2006 Dodger team that didn't do anything, but hey, I was, Omar, I was really you know. bitter when he was replaced by James Loney, and I harbored a, an <laughs> unfair amount of resentment towards James Loney as okay. a kid. Loney because, wasn't very good, you know. Uh, it was un- totally unfair of me, but you replaced my favorite player. You know, it was just right. my my feelings at the time. But <laughs> yeah, um, 
but back to Clayton Kershaw, I remember that that first season, I actually my dad made a point of like, let's go see this kid pitch because he's supposed to be the next big thing. So we went to a Kershaw start in uh, 2007, 2000. What is this? 2008 uh, when he makes his uh, the season, he makes his debut. So yeah. it's like his 10th start of his career um, where it's in August. And I, I remember this clearly because I remember the game that we went to. I don't think my dad, maybe my dad planned this, um, but I don't think he did. Uh, he's starting against the Diamondbacks. And who's on the mound for the Arizona Diamondbacks? But Randy Johnson. No way. Like, what a perfect, like, passing of the torch from the greatest lefty of his generation to the greatest lefty of our generation. Wow. And uh, Dodgers lose that game. Uh, Kershaw doesn't give up any runs, but he he only goes six, and then we immediately lose it for him because that's the kind of things that we did yep. in 2008. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was really cool getting to see both Randy Johnson, you know, really tail end of his career. That I don't know how many more years he pitched after 08. Um, uh, yeah, he was only in, in baseball one more year after that. Uh, but it was just it was just really cool getting to see kind of that, you know, you literally I'm like, OK, cool. Kershaw's on the mound and now Randy Johnson's on the mound. For yeah, like six innings. So <laughs> that's really cool moment. Wild. If you want to hear me talk really in depth about Clayton Kershaw, uh, go check out Daniel Portscott, uh, a new podcast called Long Ball Legacies. Uh, we talked for like an hour and, and change about Kershaw and Koufax, and I, I I unpacked the whole playoff narrative there. That I I you know there's there's elements of truth, but also a lot that's uh, you know not really under his control. But uh, no, yeah, I, I love me some Clayton Kershaw. Just just a, a generational talent that uh, hopefully I still I I really I'm gonna be heartbroken when he retires because it's it's coming. That's what really makes me feel old is when you see your heroes kind of kind of you know on the the back half of their careers. But uh, I. Yeah. I still think I, I still maintain like if I can can put a bold prediction out there like I think he's got one more top top five season in him because he's Clayton Kershaw I'm never betting against him and he's he's that guy where his his breaking pitches that's what what you know yeah. brings home the bacon right like it's that slider is the best slider in baseball at least you know I, I yeah I'll, I'll say it yeah sure yeah fight me in the comments the best slider in baseball um and you just can't like you can't count him out so i think i think if he can stay healthy one more year get get his innings in like i think he definitely has a resurgence and we saw a little resurgence last year too even in yeah. you know with his velocity so i think that's my bold pick for for 2022 is he's gonna come back strong and at least if not top five be a top 10 pitcher yeah, if there's if there's any pitcher in baseball that I I feel confident in being able to remake himself, uh, it, it's a guy like Clayton Kershaw, and um, hopefully, uh, you know he stays in baseball. Hopefully that he I you know keeps pitching, and and you know I mean he's still relatively young. I mean he's he's way younger than yeah. guys like Verlander and Scherzer who are still going. So, um, you know the career's not over for Kershaw. I know a lot of people are acting like it is, but um, here's here's hoping we do have another top five season. Uh, of Clayton Kershaw to watch, but you know, regardless, either way, he has been absolutely one of the best Dodgers of all time and the best way to end this episode of on the list waxing poetic about Clayton Kershaw. I think if there, if we were betting people and we had odds on how this on the list episode would end, <laughs> uh, waxing poetic about Clayton Kershaw would have had negative odds. Like oh, that's how, how much of a lock it would have been. Um, Noah, thank you so much for joining me today on, on the list. Be sure to check out short hops and tall tales. Uh, and just, I mean, it's, it's the perfect encapsulation of the history of baseball and what makes baseball so special compared to other sports. And, uh, definitely keep an eye out for, for some more knuckleball, uh, you know, content coming your way, uh, from, from Noah. So Noah, thank you again. 
Yeah, th- this was like I was really thrilled to to get invited on here. So thank you for for the opportunity uh, to just come on and and talk baseball, talk Clayton Kershaw, talk your ear off about you know like silly fantasy stuff uh, and and some bat flips. This was this is a really good time. I could talk for another hour. Is is I'm sure you 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 can you can feel. But we uh, could we could go all day. Yeah, we could exactly. legitimately go all day. But unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> uh, there is a time where the podcast does have to eventually yeah. unfortunately come to an end. So thank you again, Noah, and uh, check back uh, come back to on the list next week uh, to see who we talk to